When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burgundy Network Podcast. I am Josh Taylor, joined by my co-host, Brian Murphy. Welcome to all the new listeners. I see we actually had a, a good jump recently. Let's go. So shout, out, shout out to everybody jumping on the hype train. Um, like I said, my name is Josh Taylor. I talk about Lil Uzi and Alabama Crimson Tide way too much, so I will try to uh, tone that back. Brian, straight out of Atlanta, Georgia, Hotlanta. Don't worry, That's no right. Falcons content in this no, podcast. No, not at all. all. Not at all. Just he's not a Georgia here. fan, so he's he's good by me. Who's <laughs> who's your team? Who where do you go to school? I went to Georgia Southern, so kind of on the lower level, but they're they're my college team. Hey, you're sticking with it. You're loyal, just like you are to Washington. Um, right. But yeah, we both had big weeks. I don't know who had the bigger week. Well, uh, I think. I think it's you, man. I was looking. I was thinking about your schedule this week. So Tuesday, you talked to the president uh, of the Washington football team. Today, we record. Not Joe Biden. Right. Tomorrow, <laughs> you're you're talking to your draft guru. We're sitting down with uh, Jordan Reed. And then Saturday, Zach Wilson's going to play the the Chanticleers. I mean, what a big week for you, dude. That's that's the biggest week of the year. Like we're going out in this in style. Like 2020 sucked, but like we're at least gonna make make good use of the end of it but i don't know you had jd mckissick follow you after shouting out his name so tell yeah. us a little bit about that yeah uh my funny story probably more information <laughs> than you want but my wife and i always laugh when we hear initials like you know jd dj and find out what they stand for well his is i believe it's joshua dobby uh mckissick and so I just thought that was really funny, and being a big Harry Potter guy, I I put that on Twitter, uh, tagged him in a follow-up tweet, and next thing you know, J.D. McKissick, our third down specialist, is uh, following me on Twitter, so pretty exciting. Most targets uh, by any running back in the league, J.D. McKissick. Trying to get I mean, him on the podcast, I mean. Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I, I mean, he's basically like their what third wide receiver at this point yeah. i mean he's he's mr reliable so i mean y'all yeah. are pretty much best friends now so if he's if he's, <laughs> if he's not on in the next few weeks it's disappointing 
That's right. Hey, and uh, I mean, I don't know where we're going with the name and all that, but Red Wolves has always been talked about. He's a former Red Wolf. I mean, Arkansas State. Yeah, just comes full circle, and now he's following me on, on Twitter. So, so yeah, big week for both of us. Yeah. So speaking of the name change, uh, I told Brian I would talk about this a little bit with sitting down with Jason Wright, which was, um, just it was mind blowing. Like, I told my I told work I was supposed to get off at eight. I was like, just to let y'all know, I'm leaving at three. See ya. <laughs> There's no one else here the rest of the day. That's gonna be y'all's problem. I apologize. Um, but literally like that's an opportunity you can't miss out on. I know Brian, you watched it. Yeah. What, what was your first, you know, reaction as you just watching this and you're just, you know, soaking up everything he talked about. Like I had chills and like, I was even thinking about it today, days later, like talking with guys at work that have like given up on the team because of the name change and stuff. And I was like, talking, like, I feel like I'm like a Washington hype man now. Like, I was like, y'all, like, stick with it. I talked to our president. Like, this dude is legit. Like, we have a future. Like, I feel so good about this organization now. Like, after talking with them, like, this is the most passionate about this team I've been ever in my lifetime. Like, since, like, the Sean Taylor days, just watching them run around, you know, taking heads off. But how did you feel just watching that and listening to everything he said? Yeah, just getting to, to listen in. I thought you did a great job, and I hope that you'll we'll be able to post that at some point because, I mean, I think your questions were great, and I think that uh, Jason even said so. So that was awesome just hearing you all get to chat and him chatting with everybody. But the first thing that jumped out, the fact that this is a team president of an NFL team. Like, that's about as high as you can get as far as an executive in, in, in pro sports. And the fact that he was – willing to sit down on a, a Zoom call like that with you guys. And uh, just really, really cool. And it just speaks to where this team is going. I think you would agree with that. Just some of the changes they made, they just seem to be making all the right moves off the field. Uh, I know there's the old joke about winning off the field, but this is literally winning off the field. The fact that he was willing to sit down, it looked like he might have been in his home office and was just kind of kicking it with you guys. It was just such a cool setting, and I, I was tuned in. You know, I – I, I thank you for sending me the link to, to be able to watch it because it was so cool and yeah. and just it felt like a bunch of friends talking about their favorite team and um, just very very cool and I was already a fan of uh, Jason Wright and you know obviously because he's the president of our our favorite team but even more so the fact that he was willing to do this and it was insightful man I think he he was really honest and upfront which was really cool to see yeah I can't wait till they put that video out. I mean, we talked about everything from Dan Snyder's influences on him and the team looking forward, like what he thinks of him and how high he regards Dan. I thought that was one of the more interesting things because, I mean, we never really got to like hear, like, do you remember any time really hearing Bruce Allen come out other than the, the, the culture's damn good, I'd say, like that whole thing. I don't yeah. remember one other time Bruce Allen coming out or Dan Snyder coming out to the public really and just saying this is what our team looks like, this is the future of the franchise, and just having that was refreshing. Well, yeah, and they, you know, whenever we would hear Bruce Allen or we would hear Dan Snyder, it was always something bad, you know. Yeah. It was always them trying to mop something up or put out a fire. And, and the cool thing was is that Jason addressed that. He was like, I think he said it was like, a week or maybe a few days after he was hired, something like that, that the Washington Post uh, – um, article, article came yeah. out, yeah. And so the fact that he addressed that, but but you're right. The fact that he is out here during good times and talking to fans and talking to to, to people like us that 
you know, have fan-made podcasts. It's just really cool, and I, I feel like hopefully that's the norm moving forward. Hopefully this is just a, an indicator that this, this team is moving in the right direction, and, and we'll hear more uh, transparency from the executives and from the team because that was just really refreshing. Yeah, I mean, and there was people like tweeting at us afterwards, like, what about this? What about this? What about the uniforms, the name, the stadium? We talked about everything. Like, he didn't hold back at all. Like, I yeah. I know they're not going to show the full video because it was supposed to be like an hour long. And they were like, all right, we're going to like wrap this up. And he's like, nah, we're staying on. Like, and we, we yeah, did like another time. 45 yeah. minutes. Yeah, it was yeah, so like, cool. No, it's, that was awesome. But, and he. And he did it in such a way that was like, uh, you know, not like this is what I'm thinking. How do y'all react to it? It was a, I want to know like what y'all's ideas are, what's important to you. Like when we're making this decision, what do we need to think about? I mean, we talked about like the whole like the DMV fan base, and we talked about there was a couple of people, you know, in the UK with Andy, like talking about that. The out of staters, I mean, everything, field conditions. Like <laughs> he didn't hold back, and he said, you know. I think the field's good, and you'd be surprised like how many players say the field's good. So, I hope I hope the video gets to come out as much as possible because it's like every question that fans have had for like the last few years. I would even say, um, especially since the name changed recently, he just laid it all out there, and I'm I'm excited to see the fans' reactions. And he said he's going to do more of this. Yeah, you know, not I just the podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it sounded like this is the inaugural one. Like he yeah. has full plans to to do this again. So just just very cool, man. I, I was blown away, and I I listened, watched the whole thing. I was I was tuned in. I was like, he's he's giving legit information, being upfront and honest, which his team hasn't done probably since Dan Snyder bought the team. I mean, when was the last time they've been upfront and honest and 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 like authentic with fans? So it was just really uh, really cool to hear. One of the cool things that he did mention, speaking of Dan Snyder, was that, uh, you know, Dan has his input, obviously, as the owner of the team. But it sounds like Jason Wright has, makes a lot of the decisions. It sounds like I think yeah. he said that Daniel Snyder will, will make his opinion known, make sure he knows that at the end of the day, he's like, Jason, you take care of it. And that that's huge. I mean, we've talked for years about how Dan Snyder just can't keep away, can't keep his hands off. And man, it kind of sounds like he finally is. And if that's the case, this team, uh, you know, hopefully can get out of its own way and start making some some noise, not just off the field, but on the field. Yeah, one of my favorite parts was, um, you know, some of my questions asked about the culture because, you know, we, we heard, like, you know, we're changing the culture. Like, everyone's got to be on board. We made all these new hires, you know, down to social media team, to the announcers, like, all these new changes. I was like, What's the core values of this team look like? Like, what's the culture that we're trying to follow look like? And he laid it all out. And I like I like how everyone's just on board. Like how, you know, him and Julie check in all the time. Him and Coach check in all the time. And like you said, him and Dan, they're always on the same page. I don't feel like there's one person that's, like, out there kind of to themselves, like, that doesn't agree with the direction we're headed. He said that, like, right. if you're not on board, and there's been people already that they had to let go because they didn't believe in the vision they were building. So he's a guy with a strong foundation and strong beliefs, and if you don't agree with it, he's not going to just let any kind of poison in, which is good because you don't yeah. want someone to come in and ruin your vision. So uh, just blown away with the character, and he used to play football. He was just one of one of us. Like He was just a normal, chill guy. Like I can't stress enough how chill he was. 
Like, he was just totally laid back. You could ask him anything. Um, but, yeah, I think y'all will really enjoy that video. Hopefully that comes out soon. I think they said they're going to try to send us, like, the whole clip so we could use, like, bits. So if that happens, we'll put out our own little... Yeah, for sure. Our little hype video <laughs> of yeah. uh, our questions. So, But just, I'm excited about this team. Um, especially, I don't know, maybe it was that. Maybe it was beating the Cowboys on Thanksgiving the way we did. Um, it feels like it was forever ago, but I'm still as hype as I was Thursday night when it happened. And I think we can take it to the, the next level if we go to Pittsburgh, which I don't think is getting talked about enough of this game. We're traveling to Pittsburgh, one of the hardest places to play. They are letting fans there. Obviously not as much, but there's still going to be some terrible towels. So let's talk about the game, Brian. Monday, suppertime yep. football. 5 o'clock. I know, evening. <laughs> Not Monday night football. So we had Wednesday afternoon. Now we have Monday uh, evening football. You know, it's it uh, just playing at all different times. But uh, I'm cool with it. We don't have to wait as long. It feels like the day is so long when you play on Monday night. Um, so to have it a little bit earlier, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. It's a little different. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Maybe they play better in the evening. Yeah, especially us uh, early morning Tuesday workers. We appreciate this time slot. There you go. I think I think the uh, Cowboys game got pushed back to Tuesday, didn't it? Yeah, I think they're doing the doubleheader on Monday, and With then yeah, Bills Forty uh, ers yeah, right, because that was the original schedule, uh, and then yeah, Washington Pittsburgh earlier. You're right, yeah, Cowboys. Yeah. West and Coast, Ravens. y'all can watch. Y'all are used to Pac-12 after dark, anyways. Y'all can right. kick off at midnight for all I care. <laughs> like, how, how about the fact, just real quick, how about the fact that the Ravens are on top of getting it pushed back, are then getting an extra day the next week too? I just that's got to be yeah. so frustrating for everybody else. But whatever, it is. It, it really is. It and it it makes. I'm not going to get too off track, but it makes me think about what the 49ers had to deal with, and the fact that the Broncos literally ran a practice squad wide receiver as a quarterback but then the Ravens you know had all this time um but speaking of that game all eyes especially in the Washington fan base were watching that game whether if it was because RG3 was starting um and we, we were just excited to see you know what RG3 we're gonna get uh hopefully your uh expectations weren't too high but we just wanted to see what this Pittsburgh team looked like because to be honest, not a lot of Washington fans have like watched a lot of Pittsburgh games because you know we're busy watching our team. Not all of us got red zone up like Pete Haley and you know <laughs> watched it every Sunday. But I've seen a, a good bit of Steeler games this year, but this one to me left me really scratching my head. So let's break it down real quick. Steelers Ravens. You watched the majority of the game. The question I wrote down was: Was it rust? And how the heck do the Steelers have these stats but only 19 points? So let's take a look at it. Like I said, RG3 started the game. <laughs> uh, didn't finish the game because he was a little banged up. But 7 for 12, 33 yards, 1 interception, which was a pick 6. Yep. And a very low-scoring 19-14 game. Like I, It wasn't the Chiefs and... Raiders at all <laughs> like, right it, it was just it was a it was a weird game to watch first off um just watching R- RG3 for the first time like that in a while how did you feel about it were you kind of hyped to see him play is there any emotional attachment there still uh 
Not really. I mean, he's just not the same guy from 2012. It was almost like watching a different guy. Uh, I was excited for him. The fact that, you know, he was making a start in 2020, that speaks to how far he's come. Because I think a lot of us thought he was going to get so hurt that he wouldn't be able to play ever again. I mean, that's just the way it seemed like. Um, but it was awesome to see him out there. He still's got the wheels. He's still pretty fast. He had some good runs. But he got a little flat tire that one time, but he was he was yeah. still trucking. I mean, it was just RG3. It just kind of reminded me of those days. He didn't do a good job of protecting himself, um, got hit football. a couple of times. Yeah, and he, uh, he lost the football. So, uh, you know, good for him for getting a start. I'm sure he wishes he could have finished the game and, gotten the w but it it was cool to see him out there but i wasn't like overly that's not really what i was thinking about i was thinking more about oh washington plays pittsburgh let me see what these guys look like exactly in a ravens team that didn't have lamar didn't have mark ingram didn't have jk dobbins missing about yeah missing about 12 guys yep mostly on the offense you had rg3 and gus edwards at the helm um, and RG3 actually led the team in rushing with seven carries for 68 yards. And one thing I wrote down was if RG3 doesn't throw a pick six, the Ravens possibly win 14 to 13 off of a Trace McSorley heave to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, and also at the end of the first half, the Ravens butchered the clock and yeah. uh, should have come away with some sort of point. So th- that definitely factored in as well. Uh, so yeah, it could, it was a low scoring game, but I think that that speaks a lot, you know, as much as the Ravens were struggling on offense, missing some of their playmakers, I think it speaks to how good their defense was. Uh, the, the Steelers, as you mentioned, only put up 19 points and really without the pick six, uh, they put up 12 points, right? So uh, the offense wasn't like clicking on all cylinders and I was actually surprised kind of like you looking at the stats and you know I mean I know the Steelers are good they're undefeated I mean yeah. not taken away from them but they don't really light it up in terms of yards which was surprising to me I thought that Ben Roethlisberger was throwing it around for 400 plus every game but that's not the case I think he just spreads it around I think he makes safe decisions and then that mm-hmm. defense just dominates and that's kind of their recipe that's exactly um, the majority of my notes literally just screams defense. Right. We'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting because, like you said, you know, and we're used to the old Steelers team with you know Ben throwing three fifty a game up to Antonio Brown, uh, Le'Veon right. Bell, like these offensive Steelers teams. You're like, oh, well, they're eleven and zero. Like I don't watch them too much. They must be doing the same, but not really. Um, something we mentioned earlier. Antonio Gibson and uh, James Conner actually have the exact same uh, rushing yards at 645. Big difference is Gibson has 11 rushing touchdowns. Conner only has five. Um, But Big Ben, 2,800 yards even, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions. Would you say, you know, that's good enough or is he kind of just winning the games by not turning the ball over? Because six interceptions... I want to say that's actually first in uh, in the league. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's up there. But yeah, I just, um, I, yeah, I think he realizes how good his defense is that he doesn't have to do a whole lot. To me, it kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like Drew Brees in a way. Like he's just going to throw it underneath, let his playmakers uh, make the plays, and just not turn the ball over. I, I think ben, Big Ben has a 
a better defense than Brees, so it's not really comparable there. But I think that's what uh, Roethlisberger is doing. I think he realizes he has three pretty solid receivers out there, four if you include James Washington. Um, in I'm sorry, in De- Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Juju, and then you add in James Washington. He's got receivers that if he just puts it in their hands, they can do a little bit with the ball. So he's not really having to make these crazy throws or anything like that. So, yeah, I think – Taking care of the football and uh, you know letting your defense do the rest of it, I think he's got it figured out, and I think he's probably happy about that. He's not having to take too many hits. Oh, yeah. He's not having to do a whole lot because I mean he's getting up there for sure. I mean he's going on close to 20 years playing in the league, and he's got to be real excited that he doesn't have to take as many hits and not asked to do as much, like you said, throwing for 350 or anything like that. But you know, throw for 250 and then let my defense go get a couple of takeaways in short fields. Yeah, so it was actually top five and with only six interceptions. But one thing you mentioned is he doesn't get hit a lot. They are first in the NFL with only 10 sacks allowed all season. I think I saw that he's gone like three straight games without getting sacked or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting the – I was watching yesterday, and I'm assuming it was – you know, pretty similar to how they've been playing all year. He was getting the ball out pretty quick, so that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be interesting for the Washington defense how they they go about that. Yeah, one thing that really jumps out. Um, one of my favorite guys from back in April with the draft down to the Senior Bowl, Chase Claypool, the offensive weapon from Notre Dame. Ten total touchdowns on the season, eight receiving, and I mentioned on the HTWR podcast. Check that out if you haven't already. Awesome time. Eight receiving touchdowns. We talked about all the weapons you have. You have Juju, you have Washington, you have Johnson in the slot, and then you have Benny Snell and you have James Conner in the backfield. You've got a really balanced offense. And for you to have eight receiving touchdowns alone, that's impressive. I mean, like what I said on the show was, yeah, it's very impressive that Gibson has 11 rushing touchdowns. But he's a primary back. Like, is it is it surprising? Yeah, because he's a rookie. You know that that's that's a that's a good stat, but to be a wide receiver and to have that many in your rookie season just shows you what kind of weapon he is. Oh yeah. Now this is what jumps out to me: Steelers offense sixth in the league in touchdowns with 38, but they are 17th in passing yards at only 2,809, and Washington not far behind with 2,644. So you're talking about 100 and some change. Yeah. That's not. That's to me that was surprising. And then 26th in rushing yards with 1090. So to me that just screams defense. You're playing on short fields, you're not having to go as far like you said. You're not going to light up for 350, 400 yards a game, Big Ben, but you're going to score and make the most out of your opportunities. Mhm. Absolutely. And that's one of the oldest sayings in the book. Defense wins championships. So, defense to defense. It's pretty close. Who would you rather have, Pittsburgh's defense right now or Washington's defense, who's been clicking lately? It's third and long. The quarterback's got to shave some yards off here to have any chance to score. Let's see what he does. He drops back. He has a guy downfield, but he doesn't see him. He tries to hand the ball off to a cheap razor. Boom! He's nicked in the sack. It's a fumble, and the ball is going the other way. That one's going to hurt for a while. What in the world was he thinking? Let's go to the monitors and see exactly what went wrong. You know, this offseason, his coaches at Manscaped enhanced the Lawnmower 3.0 offense 
to a whopping 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. They gave him all the chances he had to get that safe clean cut up the sideline with the cutting edge ceramic blade, but instead he got nicked on the sack by a rusty defense. If he would have used the LED light that comes with the 3.0, there is no doubt he would have been able to see his playing field much better. Looks like he's going to be going over to the sideline with his Manscaped coaches, grab the tablet, see what went wrong, and if he's smart, he's going to go over to manscaped.com and use the code BNP20 to save 20% off his entire cart with free shipping. That's right. Use code BNP20 to save 20% off your entire cart with free shipping. Don't keep making the same mistakes and give your balls a clean pocket next time. And there's no doubt the result will be a touchdown. Uh, I think, I mean, just the numbers definitely shout the Steelers. Uh, Until yesterday, Bud Dupree goes down. I mean, they had two you know top 10 in in numbers of sacks and in, in tj watt and bud dupree they both yeah uh bud had eight and tj had 11 like i said that was both top 10 so uh, i'd have to go with the steelers just based on what they're doing i think their guys are a little bit more experienced too because then they got cam hayward on the on the line and then they got minka who just plays wherever he needs to play as you know being an alabama Bloody guy minka. yeah um so <laughs> I would go with the Steelers, but I think that the that Washington is building something pretty similar, and so I think in years to come, hopefully, we're talking about these two defenses being, you know, both in the top five. Because I mean, you you look at the ingredients that that Pittsburgh has been doing it with, it seems like Washington is just maybe a couple of years behind them. I mean, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you kind of hope that those two are going to be top ten sacks kind of guys. Seems like they've got a, a versatile guy in uh, in Kendall Fuller in the uh, the the secondary, and then of course their defensive lineman. You know that that might be where Washington has an edge is that yeah. that front four. I think those guys uh, are are legit or front three. I, I would just say the defensive line, maybe not even include the outside rushers. But yeah, man, uh, it's hard to to pick. You know, obviously, I want to say that Washington is there. I just don't know that they're quite there yet. So I'm going to give it to the Steelers, because as much as you're mentioning the offense, their rankings being middle of the pack for the Steelers, that defense is is leading a lot of categories yeah. uh, in the NFL. So that almost like all said, of them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. They they're, they're playmakers and. So that's what I'm most nervous about is uh, is come Monday, what do they do against this defense? Yeah, we're missing uh, Bud Dupree big time. We talked about how many sacks he had this season, eight. He was, what, tied seventh in the league in sacks, yep. being a linebacker. But we're missing that Minka and Hayden tandem in the secondary. Yeah. We got a Apke and Curl. Apke and Everett. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we I do mean, have they're... a Fuller, but we're missing yeah, I mean, that Curl's... other guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I didn't even mention Joe Hayden and the fact that he I think he had the pick six. So yeah, yeah, they they just have where Washington kind of has one or two guys. It just seems like Pittsburgh just has a little bit more depth. And I, I look, I think Washington's going to get there. Give them a couple of years, but right now I think Pittsburgh just has more guys, and that's why they're they're dominating the way they are. Yep, like you said, leading a lot of categories. First in the NFL in interceptions with sixteen. Minka Fitzpatrick has four. Sacks, they lead with 41. Seventh in rushing yards. 
um, and first in passing uh, passing yards allowed. So they're top ten in rushing yards, number one in passing yards allowed, um, and we're you know pretty close up there too. But we're we're second in passing yards, so we're right behind them. It's like twenty yards. It's like I said, it's pretty similar if you look at it, the categories. Like offensively, we're actually closer than we think, and defense we are too. We're just missing that that over the hump, like you said with yeah. the Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden, and he's had a resurgent. Like he's he kind of went down for a little bit, but. Bringing in a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick. First off, the Dolphins have been doing so many things right, but getting rid of Minka Fitzpatrick was so stupid. Um, and, I mean, they had, you know, they got Byron Jones now, and they're building up their secondary. But still, like, ever since Minka came in, Joe Hayden has just been feasting. Oh, yeah. Like I said, pick six against the Ravens helped, helped them win this game. Like, without that, like I said, there's possibly a one in that loss category because Trace McSorley throws it up. So let's talk about it. If the Steelers are barely beating the Ravens and barely beating the Cowboys a few weeks ago, do you think it's safe to say that they play down to their competition? It's weird to say, you know, that an 11-0 team plays down, but I think it you kind of, uh, I think you kind of have to say that they do a little bit. At least they. Maybe they don't exert themselves as much as they should. Maybe they take teams too lightly. Maybe they don't play down to them, I would say, but maybe they're taking uh, a team too lightly. And, hey, maybe they take Washington a little too lightly and they, they surprise <laughs> them. But it, it is, it's really weird to say that they're 11-0 and 0 and they play down. Like, that's, that's strange. But may, I think they, they do a little bit. Like, like you said, this wasn't the Ravens team, you know, that was lighting the league up last year and has been pretty solid this year. We mentioned all the guys that were out for the Ravens. I mean, this was like the second and third string of the Ravens, and they struggled. And, and so that that is interesting. Uh, I yeah, I I, I think you got to say that they they do play down. I think uh, they take some teams lightly, and I think that their skill set and their the the guys that they have out there are enough to make up for it. But um, you know, that's not going to last you too long. And I'm not going to dog on a team that's 11 and 0, you know, I mean, yeah, you're 11 and 0 for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is kind of strange when you, when you put it out like that, that they did kind of struggle with the Cowboys, RG3 and Trace McSorley made it a one score game at different points. So yeah, pretty, pretty weird to think about it that way. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I don't know if y'all have seen or not, but there's a picture I've seen going around like Twitter talking about like the cakewalk for the Steelers, like how they're probably the most disappointing 11-0 team in NFL history. It's like they beat Daniel Jones, barely beat the Broncos, beat Bill O'Brien, beat Carson Wentz, beat an overrated Browns team, bailed out by the refs versus the Titans, barely beat the Ravens a first and second time with a third string quarterback, beat Jake Lutton uh, quarterbacking for the Jaguars, beat a two-win Bengals team, and then, like we said, barely beat a uh, three-and-eight Cowboys team with, I don't even remember who was quarterbacking for them during that game. Mm, so, like, you just kind of look at it, like, has it Oh, that, been, was, uh, that was Gilbert, that, that Oh, game. Gilbert. Was yeah. he from SMU or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, undrafted. But it's <laughs> it, it gives you some kind of hope. Yeah. Is this team beatable? Yes, even though they haven't lost yet. It's kind of it's kind of hard to say they are beatable considering no one's done it yet. But if you're looking at this and you're looking at our team, obviously Alex Smith, he's been clicking, doing what he needs to do. Antonio Gibson coming off of his best game 
on Thanksgiving. What kind of confidence do you have that our offense can do enough to beat this defense? We talked about how good it is. Is it good enough? As a So as a whole, if I'm looking at the whole season, I would say I'm not very confident in this offense being able to do it. However, recently we've seen Washington kind of pick it up offensively. They've gotten better on third down. It seems like Scott Turner is opening up the playbook a little bit. They're throwing in some stuff that you wouldn't expect to see over these last few weeks. Albeit it's against Dallas and it's against Cincinnati, I get that. But they have looked better. And so I think that they could probably make some plays against this Pittsburgh defense. I think Bud Dupree being out is is huge. I mean, that sucks for the Steelers, but it's it's you know, TJ Watt is enough to deal with on his own. And then to add in another guy like Bud Dupree, that's a with eight sacks he's a beast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that this Washington I think there are some plays to be had there. And I think that some of it's gonna come on the ground. I think Gibson is probably one of the better backs that the Steelers have seen. And we saw RG3 on a couple of keepers gash him for some yards. And I know Alex Smith is nowhere near that, but I think some, you know, read option, you know, catch him off guard and, uh, you know, Smith pulls it and, you know, play action and throws it, you know, whatever it is, I think that they can catch him off guard and, and maybe get a couple of those plays. And you hope that they can kind of control the clock and not let Big Ben get out there. Uh, a whole lot and you know hold on to the football that 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 would be really huge uh we've seen alex smith he's thrown five interceptions in his limited time out there so he really can't afford to give up the the ball to this defense um but we'll see man i think that this this washington offense could surprise the steelers a little bit um and i'm kind of interested to see how scott turner calls this game I feel like we're going to see a lot of uh, Gibson and McKissick. I I really think that's going to be the key. Yeah, and um, one thing I've been thinking about, um, a little juice. I'll go ahead and tell you my matchup to watch, and it's not really a matchup, it's more of a situation. So here's this. We talked about how the Steelers' defense really helps them, you know, Keep short fields, make the most out of your, um, you know, great defense. You're not having to throw the ball too much. Not you're not doing anything crazy. Pittsburgh is 11th in the league in red zone touchdown percentage, just touchdowns, 65%. They're up there with some of the best: New Orleans, L.A., Tampa, Tennessee, Arizona, Green Bay, Seattle, Minnesota, so on. 65%. Shout out Kyle Stackpole stat of the day. He tells us, he said, whoa, in a tweet, Washington has the best red zone defense in the NFL. Mm. Opponents are only scoring touchdowns 48.39% of the time when they get in the red zone. So he talked to Jack Del Rio about that today, and Del Rio attributed his success in the red zone to the pass rush and coverage working hand in hand. 65% on offense, our defense is allowing 48%. But <laughs> there's there's also that thing of we need to get to Big Ben. Right. He said that pass rush is why we're having success on the defense. But Big Ben's only been sacked 10 times this season. Yeah, and I was wrong. It's four straight games that they haven't allowed oh, a sack. Oh, so even better. <laughs> and, and, and so the last time they gave up a sack was against the Ravens. Uh, the first time, two sacks for a total of nine yards. I mean – so yeah, he's he a just big doesn't... dude. That's so surprising. Yeah, he's I a mean, statue. He just, 
he just he he's been get ri- getting rid of it a whole lot. They talked about it. I mean, uh, really fast. He's been getting rid of it so fast. They talked about it last night that it's you know take the snap, fire it uh, a quick slant route. I mean, I I can't count how many times that they did that last night. And so uh, Washington's got to be ready for that because those guys can certainly break it. We know Juju's got some wheels. They've all got great hands. Uh, you know, we've seen what Claypool can do. Deontay Johnson's just underrated. I think he yeah. led them in catches last night. So. Just you're right. I mean, they got to disguise something, get him to hold on to it just a little too long, and they got to bring him down and hopefully force uh, an interception or a fumble or something, which they don't do a lot of, like we've already talked about. Yeah, I just it blows my mind that Big Ben, as immobile and big as that guy is, that he's right. not getting hit more often. Like I said, quick passes. It's what Joe Burrow was killing us with before he got hurt. It's what the NFL's trying to get into. You have all these beasts like Aaron Donald. Chase Young coming at you. You want to get rid of the ball as fast as possible. Yeah, it's just what the league's turning into. So, you, you got, go ahead. I was gonna say on that regard, you gotta hope that Jack Del Rio sees that and you know fakes a a rush from somebody and maybe it's Montez Sweat getting his hands up again or, yep. or something like that that he just he he catches him off guard and and gets a turnover that that rattles him. That's another thing. Big Ben's so big, like it's not Colin Murray. Like if you want to get up and get a pass, that his release point's much higher than it's going to take Montez Wilson. Sweat's, uh, you know, wingspan. I <laughs> mean, those, those guys, yeah, they got to get him up. <laughs> exactly. So to me, that's the matchup I'm watching when the Steelers' defense is, you know, holding strong, frustrating our offense. We're getting back to a few weeks ago. We're like, why is this offense not clicking? Steelers get the short field. Can our defense step up and continue to have success in the red zone? To me, that's where the game's going to be won or lost. Yeah. Can we get to Big Ben? If the answer's no, then we're not winning. If we're allowing them to score the short field, we're not winning. Yeah, and I mean, they kicked four field goals last night. So, I I mean, they they can be shut down there as they get a little bit closer, and I would love for them to kick four field goals instead of, Two of, the, two of those extra ones being touchdowns. So you're right. You got to buckle down, and 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 make something happen. And hopefully, we've seen it a couple of times from this Washington defense. Not only buckle down, but make a play in the end zone and come up with the football. I mean, I'm thinking of Kendall Fuller picking off Daniel Jones in the first Giants game, and then you know the big hit from Chase Young uh, to recover the football. So yeah, you know, bend but don't break, and maybe even take the football away when the the field gets shorter and more compressed, go after him and, and get that ball back. Yeah, even against the Cowboys, once I you know heard the red zone, talk about pass rush and then secondary doing good, those Jamie Reeves play, Cameron Curl yep. making some plays, and you see the pressure that got uh, to Dalton when we played them, and it just helps out the secondary. So I took to Twitter. Before I get to that, two days in a row, Cornelius Lucas is practicing. JP said that's a good sign. Um, that he'll play, and same with DeShazer Everett. But with the good comes the bad. Morgan Moses is questionable. He was limited in practice today. But, you know, it is a little bit more time playing on Monday, so that does help us out. Gives an extra day of uh, rest from Moses. So I feel like he is going to be close to a game-time decision, or I feel like that decision is going to be made on Sunday when it was supposed to be a game-time decision. Um, But, like I said, I took it to Twitter. I asked the fan base, what kind of chance do you give Washington to beat Pittsburgh? Um, got about 140 votes. Um, I broke it down by 25%. But 
before I get yours. Uh, the winner was 25 to 50% at 45%. And then uh, second place was 0 to 25 So most of the fan base keeping it realistic. I like it. Um, give us about a 70% chance of the 0 to 50%. So they're, they're not feeling like it's a, a easy win. They're not too looking too much into the Ravens game. They still see this as the undefeated Steelers versus the struggling NFC East contending right. <laughs> Washington football team. So if you had to give your percentage of confidence for us to beat Pittsburgh before you give your prediction, what's your what's your confidence like? I think 25% is a, a good number, maybe a little bit more because I think this I'm defense, 30. Yeah, I think this defense could make a play or two that could help change this game. I just think that the Steelers, as much as we want to say that they played down to their opponents, that they are, quote-unquote, the worst 11-0 team ever, I mean, they're still 11-0. So I think it's going to take them making a mistake on their end. And so I think that the that Washington's going to need a little bit of help from them. But I still think that it could, that it could happen. I, I like what Gibson is doing. I like some of the weapons that are coming on for Washington, I think that they're going to give the Steelers a little bit more of a fit than they've they've seen this year. So that's why I give them a, a bit of a chance. I think twenty five percent a good twenty five thirty, like you said, is a good number. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. The one thing I have to keep reminding myself is how young this team is, and how dang good Mike Tomlin is as a head coach. Mm-hmm. How seasoned that team is. Yes, they have a young. You know, team with Claypool, Juju hasn't been there too long. Um, same with Johnson. They have young. They have young cats. Yes, Alex Smith is a vet. Big Ben's a vet. You know, Ron and Mike Tomlin have both been in the game for a while now. But the Steelers, they just don't make too many mistakes. Like there hasn't been one season where it's just like, man, the Steelers just didn't have a good season. Like Mike Tomlin knows what the heck he's doing. Mm-hmm. Whether they're playing down to the team or not, like they're winning. <laughs> and at the end of yeah. the day, that's what matters. So I'm with you. I have it like 30%. Now, with that being said, one thing we love doing here on the Burgundy Network podcast, not just prediction, but the Burgundy Network podcast headline. That's right. Tuesday morning. Brian, you came up with this. It was the best thing you've ever said. The headline. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Headline Tuesday morning. What are you reading? Yeah. So I think, you know, I'd love for Washington to come out and surprise this team get a huge upset. I think they're close. I don't think they're there. But I think what we're talking about on Tuesday is the fact that this team should win the NFC East, that they play the Steelers tough. I think they keep it within one score. I think it's a, it comes down to the end. I don't think that Steelers win by uh, 10 or whatever the spread is. I think that this team keeps it close, and I think we continue to see strides that this team is a piece or two not a piece or two. I think they're like a year or two away from from really competing with some of the better teams. And so I'm I'm going to be impressed. And uh, I think we're talking about how well they played against a really good opponent. Came up a little bit short, but I think they're setting themselves up for for a good little run here at the end to win the NFC East. I agree with you. I think um, what you said was spot on. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Are we heading in the right direction? Yes. On the field and off the field. We talked about off the field, but dang on it. We're heading in the right direction on the field, too. Yeah, man, for real. 
it's it's looking better every week. Like you said, Scott Turner calling the right plays. Things are clicking. Gibson said it's such a difference having Alex Smith in the huddles. Like you just everyone's vibing off each other. McLaurin, he's confident. He's on like Good Morning Football, talking about the team, talking about his nickname. Like everyone's just feeling good. I think we ride that momentum. Do we beat the Steelers? No. But I agree with you. I think the headline says 12-0 Steelers beat out Washington in a close one. Yep. I'm going to put 27-17. I wanted to say 20. I backed up a little bit. I'm going to humble myself. I think they keep it it within a score. So I I would say something like 23-16, something like that. Um, so keep See, it. Within. I can't handle that. I can't handle a close game like that. If we're gonna lose, make it where like I'm like, all right, we're gonna lose. I mean, this it could very well be that Washington scores late and is not able to get an onside kick, so it looks a little bit better. But I yeah. think they play them. I think they play them tough. You know, whether that is like you said, ten points, or whether it is one score, I think that they're gonna make the Steelers work for that twelfth win. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Regardless, I'm looking at the back half of the season. Is this a game that I'm like circling that we must win? No, but I told Brian before, if you win this game, who knows what the rest of the season looks like for you. You just mm-hmm. beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 11-1. and You gave them that one. That momentum, especially, like I said, this young team that's been feeling feeling themselves. You beat a team like Pittsburgh, you're, you're riding that high to San Fran. You got the Eagles in this season. Like I said, there's some winnable games. You could possibly win the NFC East. So, Brian, we've been talking about it. If we beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, are you feeling good about the East? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like the East would be theirs, and it, it would be I it would be a disappointment if they don't win it. And like I said, even if they lose a close one, I still feel pretty good about their chances. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not real sold on the Giants, despite the fact that they, they beat Washington twice. So a lot of it is the other teams, but I think that this team, like we said, are making the right strides at the right time. And so, um, yeah, I think that they've got a real shot, and I think that they uh, they definitely could do it. Out of the remaining NFC East games, Washington has the easiest schedule left, I'd say. We have to beat Philly. Have to. Yeah. That's a must win. You can't just not beat Philly. That's, that's a must win to win the NFC East. And then to me, you have to either beat – the Panthers or the 49ers? I feel like that's the other two winnable games. Yep. Seattle, their defense sucks, but let Russ cook. I mean, he will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just bound yeah. to happen. You have to win those two of those games. Um, and then the Giants play like Seattle, Arizona, Dallas, um, and then the Eagles play the same like hard teams. Like no one, No one has it easy. I feel like we have it the easiest, and I feel like we're clicking the most right now too. Eagles, they don't know what they're doing. There's Jalen Hurts is getting more reps every week. Daniel Jones is banged up, and the Cowboys. Yeah, Colt McCoy is going to take him to the promised land. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, we know all about that. Yeah, we, we we rode that horse long enough until the back broke. So it's looking good. Like I said, regardless if we beat them, awesome. Couldn't ask for more. But if not, we're still right in it. We just got to take care of business in the second half, which Riverboat Ron likes to cook. Late in the season. That's right. He gets the dice rolling for sure. Brian, Monday afternoon, sunrise or sunset football, whatever you want to call it, 5 o'clock, where are you going to be watching the game? I'll be sitting on my couch ready to 
I'll probably just be so nervous all day that I'll just want to be on the couch, and so I'll just be watching it at home. Same. And I'm sure we'll be breaking it down Monday night for y'all afterwards. We'll see what time the game ends. But 5 o'clock, that's good for us. Us podcasters, we can get out an episode right before the night ends. So definitely stay tuned for that. If not, we'll drop it Tuesday. And like Brian said, tomorrow we're sitting down with Jordan Reed, the quarterback draft goat, in my opinion, for the draft network, talking Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Can't wait before Zach Wilson possibly tears up my alma mater. I'm not gonna hold it against some draft crush versus your college. Like that's hard that's to choose. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a hard one. That's like your girlfriend and your side piece. <laughs> you just don't know which one to go for. I, but I'm committed to both. So, but at the end of the day, it's Roll Tide beat LSU. That's all that matters. Brian, we'll see you Monday night, bud. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.